Have any oh, fun things to share? <laughs> I really don't. I really don't. I don't know that I'm tired. That was my foot, by the way. Um, you I didn't fire it. That wasn't. I a did fire. not fire. Okay. Um, yeah. So my half marathon training is like going. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm doing a good job, and my one shin has been in a lot of pain. So I'm trying my best to like. I have it elevated, and I'm icing it right now. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, my foot made that noise of my big boy ice pack so that's you know exciting that's the excitement that I'm, I'm experiencing is that apparently I don't stretch or see that's the the problem I think is that I read online that it's like you you don't really need to stretch because like your body will be fine and there's no like correlation with stretching and injury I'm starting to think that's a lie because I just didn't stretch. That's definitely a lot. I mean, I've been telling you, I think I've been telling you about my, like, my feet issues and stuff. And, like, the main thing that the physical therapist was like, yeah, you've, like, your shins are not strong. <laughs> you need to start. And I was like, okay, how do I get them strong? Like, I have to just start doing exercises. She's like, no, like, literally do this stretch for two minutes. <laughs> like, yes. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I have... Uh, wonky shin and then I just went to another tattoo removal appointment yesterday so my arm is like in pain and disgusting and all blistered up so I'm just like 10 out of 10 right now yeah. I'm just killing it you know <laughs> look great feel great I can't imagine any of us are having a better week <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and your boy. week is sounds like it's going equally as, as well yeah, as mine uh, I feel I mean probably a little bit better um you know I'm not decap decapitated no that's not the word I'm not decaying um, slowly <laughs> yes incapacitated coming out I don't have ink coming out of my orifices or anything um <laughs> but, uh, but yeah no just first week of grad school if you guys are considering getting into a PhD program think again no I'm just kidding (laughs) Uh, not bad you know just I'm not used to like I thought I sat a lot but then you don't realize how much like even if sitting takes up a lot of your day I think sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't realize how much you actually get up and adjust like whenever you're like all right I need a I need a second like I gotta I'll get up and go to the bathroom get up and Mm -hmm. get a drink and then when you're in like back-to-back classes and you're like I've been sitting for four hours like what is happening (laughs) Yes, yes, that is, you know, the thing that I remember is that since it's, like, ten, ten week, uh, yeah. tri, quarters, trimesters, yeah. I don't remember, um, the classes were just so freaking long. Yeah, almost two hours each. I don't it's think fun. anyone's attention span really lasts, lasts that long. It, it's a lot, but it goes by really fast, so... That's the hope. Let the fingers crossed the next five years go by like that, y'all, because two days in or three days in and I'm over it. Um, 
But uh, also <laughs> fun news, we are supposed to, fingers crossed, hopefully by the time this comes out, it's true. If not, I'm going to come in and like edit it out. Um, <laughs> we're supposed to close on our home on Friday. Oh my God. Um, Wait, could you tell which, me like a link of your future maybe yeah, house? I'll or send it or to if you want to wait so you don't jinx it, that, that works too. Whatever it, you I want. Mean, I just so, want to see it. There's been so many left turns. Like this whole thing has been jinxed from the beginning. Like home buying, what a scam. <laughs> Big fraud awful worst experience of my life I'm I hope that I become filthy rich and the next time I purchase a home I can just do it cash because yeah. it is awful our um the sellers recently or today were like so I guess they're closing on another property the same day that we're closing on purchasing you know the home mm-hmm. from them and so they're set to close at one and we're set to close at one thirty. and so I realized so I guess they don't have the money to close on their property and so they're like, hey, can we actually do the closing on um, Thursday? So tomorrow we're recording on a Wednesday. Um, and I'm like, sure. I mean, that means I get the house sooner. Great. They're like, yeah, but um, also we can't move out till next week. And I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. You want me to give you a boatload of money so you can stay in my home? No, no, no. <laughs> Oh, so that is the that is the latest um, dramatic. Uh, you know what? I'm so fortunate <laughs> that I do not have the funds to purchase a home. That is truly a blessing. Um, <laughs> I actually, you probably, I'd be, you'd be surprised at how little cash you actually need. Um, but yeah. in the massive Boston area, true. certainly not. Certainly true, not. True, true. I would have to go out to like kind of the suburbs, and you yeah. know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going out kind of far to the suburbies. I'm just um, gonna die in this apartment. I don't feel like moving again. <laughs> Hopefully, they like make it. They put central air in for you at the very least. That'd I think nice. we we discussed that next year we're getting an air conditioner. So, well, that's yay! Good. That's good. Things to look forward to. Hi, I'm Rachel, and I'm Natalie. Welcome to Pink Collar, a true crime podcast focusing on crimes committed exclusively by women. Each week, we'll be bringing you a brand new case focusing on the psychology behind these crimes and advocating for early intervention. Please subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For every review, we will donate a dollar to the National Center for Victims of Crime. Okay, so our topic. so like so yeah Rachel texted wanted to do bootleggers at first I was like you mean like somebody who like makes like fake Gucci bags like that's what a bootlegger was to me I was like I don't know what you talking about um and so I googled and I'm like oh somebody during like prohibition era who was making their own moonshine being a rum runner basically selling alcohol or making and selling alcohol when they should not be doing that is that correct? Some of my relatives might have been <laughs> bootleggers. But yes. Yes, that's correct. Rachel comes from a long line of criminals. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. She comes from really good people. Um, so I ended up kind of 
being in the same realm, um, I actually am doing a case of um, somebody who was on the other side. So somebody who was pro-temperance and pro-prohibition, who just had some shady tactics for, you know, trying to stop the sale of alcohol. Um, So I am doing the case of Carrie Nation. Um, who also, she has several nicknames, um, one of which is Hatchet Granny, to give you a glimpse into what we're about to get into. Oh my god. Can my name please be Hatchet Granny going forward? There's a few things that you're going to have to do to get that nickname, and you'll find out. (laughs) Number one, get a hatchet. Yes. Step two, (laughs) tattoo. Maybe where you're removing your tattoo, tattoo a hatchet there i don't know yeah I'm karate <laughs> chop people <laughs> exactly um okay so uh carrie nation was born caroline amelia moore in gerard county kentucky in 1846 her father was a farmer stock trader and slaveholder great guy um and they growing up she had like poor health and she um unsurprisingly like back then i think especially true for a lot of people in general, um, but also women, um, she didn't really get to have a formal education. And so she was, um, she basically had a poor informal education. Um, her family had some financial struggles and they moved her around Kentucky a lot and they, um, settled in Belton, Missouri until the civil war when they moved back to Texas or they moved to Texas. And then eventually, um, like, through a roundabout way, ended up back in Missouri. Um, So Carrie's family um, had a strong history of mental illness. And this is something that, if I remember, we'll touch on a little bit later too. But um, so her mother, Mary Moore, suffered from delusions. And so most likely some sort of psychosis. Um, And it was rumored that the real reason that her family actually moved around a lot was because their you know, wherever they were living, um, when her mom would get delusions, the townspeople and neighbors would start to speculate that something was mentally wrong with her. And so kind of running from that, like rumor mill, um, caused them to move around a lot. Um, it was written that so disappointing to hear. Why can't people just like leave other people alone? Was she hurting anyone? (laughs) Good point. Good point. Like, if she was, like, running around, I don't know, like, egging people's houses, maybe, but if she was, like, in her own home, going through her own thing... I mean, it doesn't sound like she had any destructive behaviors or anything like that. The one thing I wrote about one of the suspected delusions was that she believed she was Queen Victoria, um, which she was not. You know, I think there was a contestant on The the Bachelor that also had those... (laughs) those thoughts (laughs) did she come back as a sun god or something i don't know um anyway so um ultimately her mom was institutionalized by carrie's brother charles um and so she spent the rest of her so the final years of her life it was only a few years in an um insane asylum but it is also speculated that charles actually did it because he owed um mary their mom money And he didn't want to pay her back. And, you know, back then, like, all a man had to do was, like, point at a woman and, like, one, she was either either a witch or she was insane. So crazy. Yeah. So is it possible that all of this is a lie and that this poor woman never had delusions? Yes. Is it possible that she did have delusions? Yes. 
maybe also, that was like to discredit her she was like uh you owe me money and he was like oh you know my mom and her delusion possibly possibly That's horrible um yes um hopefully it was not for nefarious reasons that he had her institutionalized but um anyway so during the civil war um carrie nursed um soldiers who happened upon the farm who needed um aid um i can't really tell what side of the war they were on you know um but i imagine they were nursing any soldiers that happened upon their farm um and so in 1865 after the civil war carrie met charles gloyd which it felt like it was hard for me to say that gloyd um and so he eventually asked carrie to marry him and so charles was a physician who fought on the right side of history aka with the union um and he married so they got married in nine in november of 1867 so two years after they met and they separated just before their daughter charlene was born in september of 1868 um and so I believe that the reason they separated was because Charles suffered from severe alcoholism and he actually ended up dying a year after um, Charlene was born. So they were only married to like about two years. And so, of course, to Carrie, alcoholism played a big role in the breakup of her family. Um, The reason her marriage uh, didn't stand the test of time, why her daughter is growing up without a father, Um, you know, all all not great things i mean that's i mean he was an alcoholic when she met him so just you know yeah but (laughs) also too i think it's you know common to get into a relationship thinking that you might be able to like change or or help a person or two they may like downplay um if you're not like seeing them all the time you know obviously like people didn't move in with each other until after they got married so perhaps she didn't know the the full extent of it or you know maybe his behavior really started to shift or if he became like abusive Mm -hmm. later on then that is very unfortunate it doesn't um so yeah it doesn't sound like there was um any like abuse it's possible though but um but yeah so she of course became a passionate anti-alcohol advocate aka temperance i don't really know why they came up with the word temperance i don't understand the etymology or how it relates back to alcohol but i've never looked up the word but yeah so she became super involved in the temperance movement um she so she sold the land that she inherited from her husband and she built a house and a tent and attended the normal institute which is the university of central missouri now and she earned a teaching certificate and a history degree where she studied the influence of greek philosophers on american politics um which i mean i think it's really cool to like go from like not ever having a formal education to getting a history degree to study the influence of greek philosophers on american politics (laughs) yeah that's pretty pretty ba (laughs) like bachelors of arts (laughs) that's not what i was going for but that's (laughs) sure that's what i intended 
Anyway, um, can you guys tell that I have gone to school and I'm a little delirious today? Um, Anyways. I'm also (laughs) delirious and I didn't even go to school. Um, So in 1874, Carrie Gloyd married David Nation and he was 19 years older than her. And so Rachel is vehemently against this relationship. I'm quaking on (laughs) this. You could be her father, sir. Um, Or her like a lot older brother um so david nation he was an attorney a minister a newspaper a newspaper journalist um i just feel like back then like men just had like 40 like careers like i feel like it wasn't unheard of to be both a lawyer and an attorney and like the editor of the local newspaper (laughs) and a farmer um well yeah i mean they didn't have to help out with any of the housework or child raising have any tv to watch i have so much free time and the women are like scrubbing the floors and like raising 15 children they've got like 12 kids on their back and they're like don't worry dinner's about to be ready george you could like step in and help out every once in a while but no go ahead go go edit your newspaper god forbid she said something like that she'd end up in an insane asylum with mary more unfortunately Um, and so after she married David, they moved around Texas a lot. And so it was for a ton of kind of random-ish reasons. Like it started out like, you know, he got a job as a lawyer somewhere and then Carrie's like, well, I want to open a hotel. And then they're like, well, I want to open a different hotel. Like strange reasons, but, um, David eventually became involved in something called the Jay Bird Woodpecker War. Do you know what that is? (laughs) No. Okay. So the Jaybird Woodpecker War, which I'm sharing because I had to learn about this because I, I wrote this case. Um, the Jaybird Wood, Woodpecker War was basically a feud between two United States Democratic like party like factions, and they were fighting for political control of um, Fort Bend, Texas. Um, and basically, the Jaybirds were an all-white political organization, um, and they were formed specifically to challenge the government because the government um, was presently at the time um like a i guess biracial coalition of of white and black people and so the jaybirds were like oh heck no and so could they have picked a lamer name (laughs) well the others were called the woodpeckers so you know (laughs) oh just both (laughs) Um, but yeah, so you're welcome for the history lesson, everyone. Um, and so they, so because of that whole involvement, again, I don't know what side he was on. They were forced to move to Medicine Lodge, Kansas. And so that's when Carrie Nation began the, began like her temperance work by starting a local branch of the women's Christian temperance movement in Medicine Lodge, Kansas. And so she campaigned for enforcement of Kansas's ban on selling liquor. And so um, Carrie's methods, you know, they varied. They, um, I guess these are her initial methods. And so she started out, you know, with just simple protest. You know, you've got your sign yelling in the street, quoting Bibles, you know, good stuff. Then she started going into saloons and she would serenade the patrons with hymns. And she even had like a hand organ with her. And so another method, just going to sing some God, some God songs at you and see if that changes your heart and makes you not want to drink alcohol, even though Jesus turned water into wine. 
Um, a hand organ sounds like a dirty word. I literally, as I typed this, I was like, Rachel's going to say something about this. <laughs> I'm so predictable. <laughs> it does. It just sounds weird. Yeah. Oh, was um, it like a little piano or something? I, I guess so, yeah. Um, what, wait, what is the thing that like Steve Urkel played on his chest? What's that? I have, Did you watch it, uh, Family Matters? I didn't. What? Don't don't come for me. Evan just got Paramount Plus, and he was like listing all of these Nickelodeon shows, and I'm like, I've never heard of all of these shows. He's like, Oh my god! Um, so I lived under a rock apparently as as a child. Um, an accordion. An accordion. An accordion. That's what I wanted to say. Um, but yes, clearly, I can't believe he did not watch. Anyway, <laughs> I know the catchphrase. Did I do that? <laughs> oh, but you don't understand the cultural significance. <laughs> All right, I'll go back anyway. and find it somewhere. Um, I mean, the theme song is really what matters. But anyway, um, she would also greet bartenders by saying, Good morning, destroyers of men's souls. <laughs> Which, if I. <laughs> You just imagine like walking in their work, like hello, person destroying souls. Oh my god, if, that is like, my favorite thing that I've ever heard. That's amazing. I just feel like if I was a bartender, I would really lean into that. Like I don't I know. I would get a T-shirt that said like destroy your pencils. Yeah, exactly. Like that would be like my thing. Like I don't know. I'd put a sign above like the the saloon like door that's like come, come here to have your, your soul destroyed. Soul destroyed. <laughs> like exactly. Um, but, um, so all of those efforts, unsurprisingly, were in vain. Telling a bartender that he's destroying a man's soul isn't going to work, especially if that's like, you know, his livelihood. This is my job. I do this for money. Um, and so, yeah, nobody, it didn't stop the alcohol, you know, being pushed. It didn't make, um, like, I guess law enforcement enforce the ban on selling alcohol. Um, and so she did what any good Christian woman would do. She turned to God. Um, And so on June 5th, 1900, um, is it weird that we were also born in the 1900s? (laughs) I mean, just barely, but I heard somebody, I heard, I heard, I was watching something and somebody's like, look, I was born in the late 1900s. And I was like, wait, hold on. (laughs) Took me me a second. Um, But yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was 1900. She supposedly received her answer from God in the form of a heavenly vision. And so she explained what happened. She said, the next morning I was awakened by a voice, which seemed to me, which seemed to me speaking in my heart. I don't know. Um, these words go to Kiowa. And so Kiowa is a place in Kansas. And my hands were lifted and thrown down in the words, I'll stand by you. The words, go to Kiowa, were spoken in a murmuring musical tone, low and soft, but I'll stand by you, was very clear, positive and emphatic. I was impressed with a great inspiration. The interpretation was very plain. It was this, take something in your hands and throw at these places in Kiowa and smash them. Um... So, classic God. <laughs> so, 
I have to, and also like later on, like she also has an interpretation of something. Or is it, I wonder, could she at some point have experienced similar symptoms to what her mother may have been experiencing? And this is where, Mm -hmm. and like, I, you know, don't want to like be the, like, sound like I'm anti-Christian or anything. I'm not. But Mm -hmm. you hear a lot of, like, schizophrenic delusions, delusions, internal hallucinations that do relate to God. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, you hear that. And so, and I think I've spoken with someone before who was like, oh, I went to prison for robbing a bank. Why did you rob a bank? Because God told me to. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, sure. Mm -hmm. But, and so it's like, you wonder... Like, for me, like, there's a fine line, and I think it's sometimes hard to see, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going off of um, just, like, historical tales of what, of, like, what happened. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. we don't have this person to talk to, but Mm -hmm. there could very well have been just some sort of mental health well, and that's kind the thing, when here. you are, um, you know, asking questions to determine if there is possibly an, a, a clinical diagnosis that could explain symptoms, you do ask um, whether it was, like, I believe, thinking back to performing the, performing, the, the skid, the questionnaires that, that you would ask, you would ask about you know, you would ask about hearing voices, and sometimes people do endorse yes to that question. I've heard voices, like I've, you know, God has talked to me. And one way that you, you know, figure out is by asking like, oh, have other people in your religious community had similar experiences? Mm -hmm. You know, is it that you got a message from God telling you to, or like that you were gonna be okay? Or, um, you know, what, you do certainly have to ask more questions. So it's it's hard to say. Or two, is this like a dream that she was having? Cause Mm -hmm. like anything's possible in a dream. I will say like thinking about like kind of more historical kind of tales and things like, and things like that I feel like things like this come up a lot like uh, you know a vision from God like a message from God all of these different things and honestly while I do believe um, some of them believe it happened I also believe that uh, like there could be a percentage not a huge percentage but a percentage of people who could have been suffering from something some sort of delusion or hallucination but I think there's also a bigger proportion of people who are like, well, Jimmy had a freaking vision. I want one and just like made it up. Um, so that's just my random opinion on that. Um, but anyway, so she had this vision. Basically, her interpretation of it was, quote, take something in your hands and throw it at these places in Kiowa and smash them. And so following the directions of her revelation, um, she went out and gathered a ton of what she called smashers. Do you know what smashers might have been? Rocks. Good job. She got rocks. (laughs) Um, And so she went down to a place called Dobson Saloon and she goes in and she announces men. I've come to, pardon me, she announces, men, I've come to save you from a drunkard's fate. And she proceeds to throw her smashers at them and at the saloon's bottles and destroying everything and the saloon stocks. Um, See, I, 
don't know if I can endorse like throwing things at people if you're like protesting and destroying you know property that's one thing but harming people in the process I don't think that's really going to get them on your side I can't I can't support going into a business and smashing things at all Especially, we're also, it's not like, you know, she's like breaking a wood table. We're smashing glass, which like, even if you're not throwing it at people, you're like putting people in harm's way. Like, it's not Also, good. like you should, you're, you know, hurting uh, probably a small business man mm-hmm. uh, instead of going after the real culprit, big alcohol. <laughs> yes. And all of their, you know, crazy commercials and whatever else. I don't oh, know. They probably didn't have TV back done, but... Probably, probably probably print advertisements (laughs) exactly um and so um after she did this she ended up she went out and destroyed two other salons in kiowa sorry saloons in kiowa and then soon after that a tornado hit and so according to her that tornado was God's way of letting her know that he approved of her actions. Oh my gosh, did she, like, use witchcraft to summon the tornado? Um, no. Or uh, if prayers, she... I guess. That's amazing. You know what? The energy that this woman has, like, she manifested a tornado, and that's that's wild. Um, there's a show called Motherland, Fort Salem, and they're witches, and they can do that that's like how they're like the they're the army they're the united states army it's all witches and they like can make tornadoes and stuff it's very intense that's uh, <laughs> um but so yeah like i don't know that's another thing where i'm like wait is it just like her saying that she feels like that's god's way of letting her know that he approved her of her actions or is she saying that god told her you know what i mean like where there's some semantics and some details there that it's like, hmm, does this fall in just the, you know, kind of nonsensical interpretations of things just to confirm your own, you know, not confirmation bias? Yeah. Or is it something deeper and more pervasive and not um, well-functioning, I guess, than that? Um, And so feeling like she what she was doing was the right thing she kept up her vandalism and destruction of saloons throughout kansas um but of course destroying properties and businesses is illegal so um you know she was no stranger to getting um arrested after throwing smashers um she even led a raid in wichita kansas where she and her pals destroyed all the saloons and local places that they could on um i think like just in the area or on like their like downtown um area or something like that um and so her husband david he joked that she should use a hatchet next time and that's when carrie replied that is the most sensible thing you have said since i married you and took his advice i the one liners from <laughs> I'm gonna use that on Evan sometime. He says something like really smart. He's like, "Oh, let's go get some pizza." That's the most sensible That's the thing. That's the most you've... sensible thing you've said since we started dating. That is so funny. Yes, please do. Um, and so, um, also, I don't know of interest. You know, he's like, "Get a hatchet." She gets a hatchet. They got divorced like a year later, and so 
I don't know if the hatchet had anything to do with it. But the power couple. And they were just too strong of a force. Too strong. Too, too many great ideas between the two of them. Um, and so basically her MO, now that she has this hatchet, right? She Sometimes she would be alone, but a lot of times she would actually be with a group of women, the other women in her um, temperance like group. Um, I think women's Christian temperance something. Um and they would walk into an alcohol-serving establishment, and they would be singing hymns and praying. And then, while singing hymns and praying, they would begin throwing smashers. But Carrie would pull out her hatchet and start hatcheting things. Bottles of alcohol, I assume chairs, the bar, all sorts of things like that. Um, and the, so Carrie called these specific acts of vandalization, vandalism, vandalization, vandalism, um, in the name of temperance, hatchetations, coining the phrase or the word hatchetations. And so I feel like it's a mix of hatchet and like agitation, um, it feels like the only thing that makes sense. Genius. It is just <laughs> genius. You might be related to her, to be honest. Like, you should check out your lineage. I <laughs> feel strong vibes, but it is likely not. My people did not come over until much later. Uh, but a girl can dream. You know, maybe this was me in a past life. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, so, let's see. In, <clears throat> in 1901... Um, she went to Kansas City, Missouri, where the temperance movement was negligible. Um, people were like, I guess the overall attitude of Kansas City was like, screw temperance, like that's not our thing. And so people openly opposed it. Um, and there wasn't very like much traction for it at all. And so she goes down to Kansas City and she starts smashing liquor bottles at several downtown bars, just indiscriminately, doesn't care, breaking bottles. Um, and so she was arrested and she was taken to court and fined $500, which in today's money would be $16,000. Um, and a judge actually decided to suspend the fine under the condition that she never came back to Kansas City again. Um, and so I guess she agreed. Honestly, it's their loss. <laughs> but really. Um, and so, yeah, I guess she agreed. And I don't know if she ever went back or not, but... Well, how would they even keep fine. track of that? Like, <laughs> she becomes infamous. I think people are, people are, I mean, you see a woman with a hatchet. It's like, like oh, that, that must be Carrie Hatchet. Or <laughs> no, Carrie Nation. <laughs> she should just change her name to Carrie Hatchet. Um, well, isn't she Granny Hatchet? Granny Hatchet. There you go. Um, and so when William McKinley was assassinated in 1901, she praised his assassination, saying he got what he deserved because she had always secretly suspected that he was a secret drinker. Oh, like, girl, so now, no. You now you're just like, there. you know, celebrating people's deaths just because you get the impression that they might dabble in dabble in the dark arts of alcohol not great yeah that's a bit much um and so between 1900 and 1910 she was arrested over 30 times for her hatchetations um 
and she went on lecture tours to share the good word about temperance and hatchetations and how other women can get involved and at these places and then also in like little like shops she would sell these like souvenirs which were stick pins shaped like hatchets that said death to rum and i guess she was making like a good amount of money between the souvenir stick pins and the lecture tours because she was able to pay just like all of her fines um using just the proceeds from that <clears throat> and That's then amazing i want one of those pins <laughs> please don't um and then so carrie nation became infamous people like everywhere knew about this woman walking into places singing the word of the lord and smashing things with a hatchet i think like the image of that there's like such a like stark contrast between like oh you're coming into this establishment and praying but you're also like wielding a hatchet and like Mm -hmm. putting people's lives in danger and so i think the imagery there is pretty intense and so Word about her spread like wild, fla- wild flowers. What I was about to say, wild, wild fire. fire. Um, and <laughs> um, she ultimately ended up inspiring a slogan that was posted in tons of bars. It became postcards. Like it was a thing, and it said, "All nations welcome." Not Carrie. <laughs> <gasps> I just thought it was very cute. All nations welcome, but not Carrie. That's hilarious. Um, And so later in life, um, she, you know, I guess, you know, the temperance movement basically um, died down um, quite a bit um, over time. And um, she kind of just tried to leverage her name and her celebrity a little bit to make ends meet, live, that sort of thing. Um, I suspect that she probably also kind of liked the attention to some degree um and so she would appear in vaudeville around the united states and then she also traveled to england or great britain whatever they want to call themselves um and would appear in music halls and um music halls is that yeah. from a musical music hall a music music hall hall oh i was like that's a weird way to pronounce musical musical <laughs> the music halls rachel i'm not you i pronounce words no i'm just oh, okay <laughs> that was rude i apologize that no was not you don't have nice. to it's, it's um, true <laughs> anyway so she so basically her act was going on stage and like proselytizing the good word of anti-alcohol um which like you know i'm not trying to you know poop on anyone who um doesn't believe in drinking alcohol but like that's not entertaining (laughs) like to go on if i'm if i'm here at a vaudeville performance or i'm in a music hall i don't want a woman getting up there and telling me why i shouldn't drink alcohol um and so it was i think she was able to I think the sentiment of not drinking alcohol at the time and stuff was a little bit more popular, I guess, in the United States. And so it was a little bit more tall. Her appearances, I think, were a little bit more tolerable 
but in England, um, she, they were not having it. And so she got like egged. Somebody like threw some eggs at her and she was not having it. Um, and so she quit. She went back to the US. She was like these British people, like, oh, you know, let their souls go away or whatever. Um, and so she just went back to the United States. And so she kept up kind of her souvenir, hatchet souvenir selling hustle. And she would continue her lectures. And she also would sell like signed pictures of herself um, to, as a means of making money. Um, she eventually later in life moved to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, um, and she founded a home called Hatchet Hall and she continued all of her speaking engagements. And one day during a speech at a park, she collapsed and she, um, that was right after proclaiming, I have done what I could. Um, she was taken to the hospital, um, and um, basically a doctor who, the doctor who had found at the hospital, um, or I guess, yeah, the, you know, whatever. She went to the hospital, didn't do well. It specifically, um, I think was a hospital that was, um, for, nervous and mental troubles is what it is written and liquor and drug habits and so i don't know if she was brought there for a specific reason but yeah um and so she ended up dying there on june 9th 1911 um and on her um they the women's christian temperance union erected a stone in her honor inscribed faithful to the cause of prohibition she has done what she could and the name Carrie A. Nation written beneath it. My goodness. Um, so yeah, that is that is Carrie. Carrie. How have I never heard of that before? Um, Fun fact, I did write a paper on the prohibition and like temperance movement. I bet back you were in pro high school. You were pro temperance, weren't you? Absolutely. No. <laughs> no, it was just like a U.S. history paper. Uh, it wasn't like a you know, make any cause. arguments. <laughs> um, yeah, no. You know, I think perhaps that she could have gotten a little more buy-in if she, uh, instead of going against alcohol in general, maybe just like drinking in moderation or, you know providing treatment for people who were facing substance use issues with alcohol i don't know i don't know if a hatchet was the best way to go about it but yeah i i feel like as with most things and i think it this is true of current events in our society is that there has to be a middle ground between illegal Mm -hmm. and um you know just rampant use of something right and so yeah clearly harm reduction i think is is the best model or best approach rather than just say no or yeah and so maybe if she'd taken that approach she might have been a little bit more successful but she has done what she could so r.i.p i that is one of my favorite cases that of like all of them that is just so fascinating and so like my I mean I don't condone you know 
destruction of, of property and, and things like that, but I do admire her perseverance and her gall, I guess. <laughs> um, there is an episode of Drunk History that I believe portrays her, or that, yeah, she's, it's about her, and I think, um... No way! Yeah, um... Yeah, there's an episode, and it ha- it's the, um, her name, the actress who plays her, I always find hilarious. She's really funny. Um, I think she was on SNL once upon a time, but, um, yeah, check out Drunk History. Just Googled. It is season, season four, episode three, y'all. Y'all. The irony is that she would probably hate being represented on a show Dr- called Drunk History. Exactly. That's that's the beauty of it. <laughs> you love to see it. But I well, hope she's that... resting easy. <laughs> Gosh. That was a good one. <laughs> that was um, good. Also, just looking at her, um, she also was very concerned about tight clothing for women, but she refused to wear corset. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, no, sorry. She refused to wear a corset and urged women not to. Um, and that was her concern about tight clothing because she thought that it would have harmful effects on your vital organs, which, of course, it probably did, but... Yeah. yeah. You know what? <laughs> okay, I support Carrie, that. down the line, they invented this thing called called yoga... These things called yoga pants um, or leggings, and they were tight, but gosh, are, are they comfortable. <laughs> My organs are just hanging all out there. My Having parents, a great time. My parents have asked me to stop wearing um, yoga pants because they believe that it is very unf- unflattering and I look frumpy. So, thanks, mom and dad. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. <laughs> anyway, all right. Bye, everyone. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> Our music is the track Wasteland by Joseph McDade. His Patreon and our podcast sources will be linked in the podcast description below. Any mistakes are entirely our own, so check out our wonderful sources for the most accurate information about these cases. We talk about some tough subject matter on our show. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741741. They are available 24-7 and will connect you with a trained crisis counselor. You can also reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Join us next week for another episode of Pink Collar, a true crime podcast.